Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Calvary. Isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord? I'm so glad that you are here with us today on this uh, holiday weekend and uh, excited to see what God does, what he already has done in each and in every one of your lives. I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's my honor and my privilege to be able to share with you uh, something that God has been working on my heart Uh, for years. I'd like to sit here today and say, hey, I'm an expert at this. I am, you know, I have got decades of experience. And all you have to do is just glean from me this morning and uh, just lean into the wisdom that I'm about to share with you. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, I come to you very humbly today because this message is one that is very real, very personal, and one that I've yet to master. I can't say that I've gotten much better at it. I've learned, like probably many of you have, from the knocks of life for doing stuff the wrong way and going, I probably missed that. Let me figure out what I should have learned on that. But uh, I want to share on always be ready. It's out of First uh, Peter uh, chapter 3, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Always be ready. This is one of those things where I don't consider myself an evangelist. Um, In fact, I've done just about everything uh, serving God, and this is probably one of my weaker areas, which is interesting that this is, it's interesting that God wants me to share this this morning, but I think I can relate to many of you, and hopefully you can relate to me saying, yeah, I, I get that. I've been there. I know, I know where you're coming from. And I trust that God will, will take us on a journey together uh, this morning. But our verse is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Scripture says this, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Do any of you guys uh, keep up with your steps? Do you have one of those Apple Watches or Fitbits or Nike Sports? Do you guys do that? You know what I'm talking about? Do you track your circles and see how many calories you burned and how many steps that you made? Well, the medical field, the science field, tells us that healthy, active adults should track about 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. I see a bunch of eyes rolling in the room. Do you know what the average American does in a day? Three to 4,000. But 10,000 should be our goal. Some of you in here are like, 10,000. I do that before 9.30 in the morning. Some of us are like, someday I might see 10,000. Do, do I get to count it for like a week? Can I do that? 10,000 steps. If we did that each and every day, if we did our daily allotment of 10,000 steps a day, 
It adds up to about 115,000 miles in your lifetime. That's the equivalent of walking around the equator four times in your lifetime. Pretty impressive. My question to us is, question to you, has your faith grown in God to the point that you believe that he actually cares about each and every one of those steps? That he wants to be a part of each and every one of them? Do you sense that, do you live with a sense that he could and would and wants to direct them? Not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. Psalm 37 verse 23 says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. If we woke up tomorrow with a profound sense that today I'm going to be alert, I'm not just going to survive or be alive, I'm going to thrive. I'm going to be sensitive to the God moments today. What kind of change would that have on our life? What kind of impact would that make on others? If we live that like this, think about how radically it would change our interactions. We might see our perspectives totally revamped because we are living with the understanding that God cares about each and every step, that he expects us to always be ready, and that he's going to give us opportunities to make an impact on others because we are. It would probably even change where our feet go and what we do when we get there, wouldn't it? What do I mean by that? Jesus described it like this. He said in John chapter 4, verse 31 through 38, this is right, this is right after Jesus uh, met with this Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Maybe you're familiar with that story. The disciples have run into town to get food, and Jesus is there by the well, and the Samaritan woman who comes up to the well, and Jesus starts just dialoguing with her, engaging her in conversation, pulling out her story. Well, this interaction with Jesus changed her life and changed the lives of many in that town. At the end of that interaction, she runs back to the town to, to grab people and say, listen, I think I found the Messiah. You've got to come check this guy out. She's off. The disciples come back and the disciples have food and Jesus doesn't seem to be interested. So they start asking each other, and this is, this is where we pick up the story. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him. This is John 4, 31 through 38. Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. At that moment, Jesus was so outward focused that a very basic need, food, felt so secondary to him in comparison to the thrill of doing God's will. Well, unfortunately, most of us don't live like that. In fact, 
for honest, we, we, we live the opposite. We live life inward focused, don't we? Now, we don't mean to be, right? We, it just kind of happens. We are preoccupied with our thoughts, our tasks, our goals, our food, our issues. And we can miss opportunities every day that God has set up. Again, not because we're bad people, it's just that we're not paying attention to the right things. Let me read a story and see if you can relate to this. Maybe you observe this. Have you ever experienced or overheard a conversation like this? A woman noticed one of her coworkers looking downcast. She sat down beside him at the lunch table and asked if he wanted to discuss what was bothering him. He began to talk about the recent troubles he was having relating to his daughter. And it was obvious from his tone and his expression that this was a serious matter which was weighing heavy on his heart. He had barely begun to explain the essence of the problem when the young woman interrupted explaining, I know exactly what you mean, my daughter, and off she went to the races. Just like that, the conversation shifted and she took over, telling all about her situation, her circumstances, her daughter. Well, eventually, after a couple minutes, she paused to take a bite to eat. And this man dejectedly got up and just walked away. Without missing a beat, she turns to the coworkers at the table and said, boom, continue the conversation, telling all about her daughter. As a casual observer of that conversation, what would have been your reaction? What would it have done on the inside of you? Well, I can, I can tell my reaction to it. It was pretty strong. I sat there thinking, you don't care about this guy or his situation. You had an opportunity to make a positive impact on somebody's life. But no, you just wanted an excuse for talking. You know, it's easy to be critical of this woman, but if we're honest, this happens to us all the time, doesn't it? I've probably done it to you, and if you know me at all, you've probably done it to me. We've done it with our coworkers. We've done it with our friends and our neighbors and our families. Few of us are immune, even as pastors, unfortunately. We miss key moments because we are rarely listening, really listening. Such a rare commodity today, isn't it? Usually, if we're brutally honest, we're just waiting for our moment to talk. Now, we nod and agree at all the right spots, don't we? Guys, getting ready to throw you under the bus, so wake up. Do you ever get caught in this moment? Your wife is talking and sharing and just pouring out her heart, and you're nodding in all the right places. Mm, oh, yeah, mm, that's good. Mm -hmm. And it always happens when your brain does that drift thing. No guy does that but me, I'm sure. Does, does your wife not have the uncanny ability to catch you at that moment? And invariably, she'll just stop and say, so what do you think about that? And you know you are so busted. But we all do it, don't we? How about this one? Have you ever introduced yourself to somebody 
and you're shaking their hand or whatever and, and saying your hellos and they tell you your name and you don't remember their name 10 seconds later? Why do we do that? Well, honestly, what we're probably doing is going, okay, it's my turn to talk next. What do I say? What question do I ask? What, where would I go with this? And we miss even the introduction of a name. So guys, how do we get past that? How do we get past ourselves to really live in the moment? How do we recognize key opportunities that the Holy Spirit gives us each and every day to share our hope and to be ready to explain it? Well, let's take a deeper look at this verse and unpack it together. The context of this verse, 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter is actually talking to five providences in Rome. And he's addressing them as a whole. And he's talked to them about living holy lives and being living stones and respecting authority, holiness. He's had several topics. In chapter 3, he actually has dealt with the men. He's challenged them. He's dealt with the ladies. He's challenged them. And then he opens up to, to the whole church, and he challenges them on some things. And at the very end, right before this verse, he does a quick turn, and he starts talking about suffering and persecution. And this verse is seated right in the midst of that conversation about not being afraid or not being intimidated or not backing down because of what people might think of you, how you might be perceived. Isn't that such a telling time for our culture right now? Don't we, aren't we so preoccupied with that thought process? Well, I don't want to say because I might be. I don't want to because I, they might think. It's a very, a very pressing thing right now. Peter dives right in. Let's unpack this thing together. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 15 again. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. I see three key points in this verse. The first one is this, give yourself to God. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. There are two position words in this first verse, worship and Lord. Worship is one that denotes worth. It's, it's a position that we place ourselves under that thing of value. You worship something that in your mind is above you, correct? You, will in your, you willingly place yourself below it. That's why it's so sad to me when I see people worshiping idols. Because they are literally bowing down to something somebody made, or maybe even they made. But they are willingly placing themselves under and elevating whatever that is to a status above themselves. Worship is an act of being submitted to a holy God. But there's a word that's even more impactful, I believe, in this verse, and that is the word Lord. Many who confess to be Christians fall short unknowingly of understanding what lordship is all about. They are good with Savior, 
They like the fact that Jesus paid the ultimate price, that he came, he walked this earth, he died, he redeemed us from hell. We're very happy to get our ticket to heaven punched. We like Savior in that area. We like the fact that we get a get out of jail free or get out of hell free card. We like that part of Savior. But many times Christians stop at that point. They treat salvation as a destination. It's kind of like this. I'm good. I'm done. Back to my life. Because they treat salvation as a one and done kind of thing. They don't realize that salvation is the beginning of a journey. The start of a relationship. The first step of many. It's not the destination. Lordship is all about, it's a whole nother level, isn't it? It's so much deeper and so much more profound. Well, let me do a uh, quick little group survey. Everybody ready? Ready to participate? All right. How many of you in the room are married? Okay, widows, I'm including you in this as well. Widows, if, if you have been married, I want you raising your hand. Okay, hands still raised. How many of you have been married more than one year? Keep your hands raised. Five years? Ten years? 20. All right, I'm getting ready to jump. How many of you in this room have been married for more than 40 years? Wow, let's give them folks a hand. That's a big deal right there. Everybody that I just quizzed, all those who are, who are wanting to go into this whole marriage thing, what if you treated your marriage the way some people treat salvation. What happens if you viewed I do as the last step you took in your relationship? How would that go over in your, in your marriage? Think about it. No more pursuing. No more deep and heartfelt conversations. No more romance or rallying to support each other in times of struggle or weakness. No more celebrating wins or sharing dreams. If you had stopped growing together at that point, how shortchanged would you be right now? How many in this room, they say, man, I really love my wife and I got married. But you know what? I love her so much more than now. How many ladies would say, you know what? Man, I adored that man. Eight years later, oh, he is even more of a catch. Don't get yourself in trouble, guys. Don't, don't, don't throw yourself uh, in the way, ladies. Spiritually speaking, saying I do and then stopping the relationship is only accepting God as Savior and nothing more. But God has called us into a relationship just like marriage that's all in. The more all in you're in marriage, the better your marriage is going to be. The more all in you are with your walk with God, the better that relationship is going to be. That's the scenario that God is looking at when he says, Lord. It's the reason he calls us the bride of Christ. He wants us to have that mental image of the fact that we are always pursuing, that we are always growing, that we are always pressing in, and that his desire is to pursue us. His desire is to press in, to, to know and to be made known. That's the pursuit. That's the discovery of mind that God wants us to have when he uses the word Lord there.
Merriam-Webster defines the Lord as this, someone or something having power, authority, or influence, a master or ruler. You know, if we truly allow God to be Lord, it's a game changer. We are no longer dabbling in this walk with God. We are sold out. It means we are giving him his rightful place. He's in charge. He's our leader. He's our boss even. Lordship in our hearts and our wills allows us to submit those things to him, to the creator of all things. Our plans and our dreams become submitted to a much bigger plan than we could ever devise. Anybody sitting in this room been walking with him long enough to say, you know what, that is so true. Galatians 5.25 says that since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Lordship gives us the ability to walk with purpose, to walk with awareness, and to walk with a sense of destiny in every area of our lives. That should be the starting point when it comes to sharing our faith being ready to give an answer for our hope. It really is as simple and yet profound as being sensitive and aware of the Holy Spirit in his work in our lives. Realizing that he wants us to be a part of this process. That he wants to work in our lives, our hearts, and the lives and the hearts of those around us. If we'll just open up our eyes and see. Always be ready. You know what? If he's Lord, if he's the boss, I can set aside my shyness because it's not about me. It's about what he's doing through me. I can be shy and still sit down with my neighbor. I can still be shy and sit next to my friend and say, you know what? This thing I have, so amazing. I want you to have it. if we'll just cooperate with him. Sometimes I need to be sensitive to the moment, ask the next question. Sometimes I need to allow the power of presence to do all the work. You know what I'm talking about? Remember, it's the Holy Spirit's job to draw men unto himself. It's my job to just be willing to take a step, whether it's a small one or it's a big one. Like I said earlier, I'm not an expert. In fact, I'm, I'm sharing from a place of lessons learned the hard way. Let me tell you about one of my uh, experiences witnessing, being an evangelist, uh, 18-year-old Bible student, Bible college, man of faith and power. First weekend there at Bible college, sitting around, I've made, already made two friends. Friday night, what are we going to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't, I don't know. Let's go witness. Fantastic. Let's go witness. Where do we want to witness? Ooh, there's that, um, that rundown strip mall where all the gangs hang out. Let's go there. Sounds like a great idea, doesn't? Three of us jump in the old beat up college car. You guys remember the old beat up college cars. Run down to the strip mall. Bunch of gangs just hanging around. It's just kind of a place. 
we pick out one group. Oh, that, that looks like a good group. And so we meander, sorry up to them. And we're kind of looking at each other. You taking the lead? You going to start this? Nobody's, nobody stepped up. So me being the man of power and faith that I was, I did. And so I start sharing, testifying. I'm actually doing a pretty good job. I'm, I tend to be naturally shy. I know it's hard for you to believe that, but that's really my natural gait. And so the, I'm doing, I, I'm, I'm like looking at myself going, yeah, you're all right. And as I'm sharing, I'm looking at the leader of this group and God gives me a word of, of wisdom, a God, word of knowledge. Do you know what that is? It's in, in, in Romans and Corinthians. It's, it's, it's where God just drops something. I read this person's mail, spiritually speaking. And it was something very telling. And so, me being young and lacking a little wisdom, I just throw it out there. I didn't ask God what I was supposed to do with that. I just, ooh, that's cool. And so I threw it out there like a bomb. It was something very telling that for, and it was to the leader, for him to admit in front of his posse would have not been good. But I didn't think that through. I just threw it out there. And we had one of those one-second eye-to-eye contact where the vulnerability was there, the horror was there, and then he locked it down. You ever, you ever experienced one of those moments? And I asked him pointedly, and he denied it. And again, in all of my wisdom and tact and experience and being a witness for Jesus Christ, I think I actually pointed my finger at him. Some of you are going, you are such an idiot. Yes, I am an idiot. I'm pretty sure that in my boldness, I went, liar. Things not to do with the gang leader in front of his posse, right? He was coming at me before I knew what was going on. Fortunately, my buddy Joe jumped in between us and started talking really fast and talking this guy down. That's my wisdom and experience when it comes to witnessing. So when I'm talking to you about always being ready, I come from a a past that says, you know what? I've not always done this thing right but it doesn't change the fact that I'm still called to do it. Maybe you have an, a similar experience. Maybe you didn't almost get stabbed to death or shot or beat up or whatever was getting ready to happen to me. Thank God for godly friends who save your life, save your neck when you're being stupid. But that's just a, the step of being obedient and learning from your experiences. You know, we just got through with the, uh, the story continued. Remember the story in Acts 6 where Philip is just coming out and uh, God tells him to go up to the chariot of the uh, Ethiopian eunuch? Do you remember that story? And what's he say? He just says, hey, go up alongside that carriage. Those are the kind of God moments that I'm talking about here. Philip, he did. And he heard this Ethiopian eunuch reading the word of God. Ask him about it. So he did. Hey, do you know what you're reading? No clue. How do I know unless somebody teaches me? I can teach you. The Ethiopian eunuch actually invited him into the carriage. You know what? His life was changed. 
History tells us that Ethiopia was changed, that some man traveling from Jerusalem came back to Ethiopia and changed Ethiopia because of one God moment, because of always being ready, of Philip saying, you know what? I'm going to make the step. Sometimes God will give us those big key moments. Sometimes, most of the time, they're little moments. So that was key one. Give yourself to God. Number two, give yourself to knowing his heart. The second part of this says, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. The NIV says it this way. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Several versions say, give a defense. That last version is the one I knew the best. And it actually honestly caused me to be afraid of sharing my faith. The whole give a defense thing. I, I, I did mental gymnastics like this. What happens if they start asking questions? Have you ever not weighed into the witnessing field because it's like, what happens if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? What happens if I, I run into a debater and they want to argue with me? Uh, just, uh, it's just too scary. I think I'll just sit over on the sideline. I'll bench myself. Or how about this? This is a ridiculous one, but it's where I've been. What happens if somebody actually wants to become a follower of Jesus? They're ready like right now. Scott, can you lead me? What happens if I mess that up? What happens if I pray it wrong or I, don't, I can't remember the right verses or... <sighs> I missed opportunities because I was afraid that I'd fail and I missed opportunities because I was afraid that I'd actually succeed. How goofy is that? Have you been there? Are you still there? Well, let me tell you about how I started to get free in this area. I sat on the sidelines forever because I didn't feel qualified. Because I wasn't a CIS, law and order, criminal minds, my cousin Vinny, put whatever show or movie you want to in there, I wasn't the expert witness. So I disqualified myself. But then somebody challenged me. They said this to me, most witnesses aren't experts. I never thought about that. What do you mean most experts aren't witnesses? Uh, most witnesses aren't experts. Most witnesses get up on the stand and they're asked one of three things. Who do you know? Their character witness. Does this sound like this it would be something that he would do? Were they with you when they were supposed to be doing this whatever thing? They're witnesses because it's someone they know. Tracking with me spiritually? They're also on the stand because of what they have seen or experienced. If we know God, if we are allowing him to be Lord, if we are learning his heart, isn't that exactly what we're supposed to be sharing? Here's my story. Here's my life. You know what? I used to be in bondage, but now I'm not. 
I used to be a mess. <laughs> now I'm less of a mess. What is your story? And the final reason they're on the stand is what they know. If my focus is getting to know the heart of God, every day I'm more prepared to explain this hope that I have. To tell someone of the experience and who I know. I realized if I allow God to work in me, that he could work through me. Do you realize that today? If you allow God to work in you, then he can work through you. In my experience, the people who find themselves taking a step towards other or extending a hand or a listening ear or, or making that uncomfortable walk across the room, they have given themselves to knowing the heart of God. They know his heart for people. They know that he desires that everyone should be saved. He, they know that his heart is to leave the 99 to go to the one that's wandered off. They understand that he came to seek and save those that were lost and that he wants none to perish. Ask yourself, is the God that I know captivating, full of grace and compassion and mercy? Is he mysterious and surprising? Is he forever unchanging and yet always brand new? Isn't that a cool one about God? Yeah, or find out my still can't get around that one. Does he inspire you like he does me with what your life can really do and be and mean and how it can really count? Do you know him as faithful? You know, if we know his heart and it's becoming ours, we are much likely to leave our comfort zone and reach out to somebody else. You know, it's so much easier as a witness to testify about the person you know. I always thought of witnessing as being an evangelist as a set of guidelines or rules, or I had to memorize these scriptures, or I had to know all the answers to all life's questions before I ever ventured out. But we're not called to be expert witnesses. That's the Holy Spirit's job, isn't it? We're just called to be a witness. There is an aspect of studying to show yourself approved. But honestly, in today's culture, your story trumps their argument every day. Oh, God's not real. Yeah, just talk to him. Well, he doesn't do blank. Well, you're just in the wrong circle. Can I introduce you to a circle that, yes, that's exactly what happens. There's no reason to disqualify yourself. Which brings us to point three. Give yourself to God. Give yourself to knowing his heart. Number three, give yourself to people. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Matthew 5.13 says it this way, you are the salt of the earth, but what, what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. I love the way the message words this, 
You just can't get, you just can't get around this one. Here it is. Let me tell you why you are here. How's that a great way to start? You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Isn't that awesome? If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Ouch. You've lost your youthfulness and will end up in the garbage. You know what? Salt can only flavor that which it's touching. What good does salt do on your tabletop? Ever sat down to eat and then have to run back to the counter because the salt's on the counter? We're to be salt, which means we're supposed to be touching something. Look at your life. Who are you rubbing elbows with? Who are you living life shoulder to shoulder? You know, the longer we're Christians, the easier it is for our circles to shrink. We get much more comfortable with the people like us and less likely to be patient and gracious towards those that are not. Ask yourself this question, am I stuck in a bubble or am I bubbling over? Am I stuck in a bubble or am I bubbling over? God has called us to an abundant life. That means we're supposed to be bubbling over. That means we're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be making an impact on those around us. You know, looking at our world today, how good are they at connecting and communicating with others? Especially in a gentle and and respectful way. We live in a world of juicy sound bites and inflammatory or provocative communication. We truly have lost our ability to connect on most fronts. When was the last time you were reading, listening to a talk show, and they're debating, going back and forth, and suddenly one side stops and says, wow, I can't believe I have been wrong this whole time. Thank you for sharing with me. I am changing my ways right now. Last time, anybody? I can't think of one example. Or how about this, the social media rave. You know, somebody's going off on something and and the other side defends it and they're going back and forth. When was the last time at the end of that crazy thread, one side suddenly says, huh, thank you for sharing your opinion and enlightening me on this subject. It doesn't happen, does it? So maybe this out-of-touch technique that Peter is sharing with us, this old-fashioned technique is not really old-fashioned at all. Maybe it's cutting edge for our culture. Peter is challenging us to be different. If we've given ourselves to God and we've given ourselves to knowing his heart, we truly can become salt and light. We truly can get to that place where we're always ready to share. Let me share with you three key points, and this is, we'll we'll end it with this. And I'll kind of blast through this, but this, don't check out on me yet. This may be right here. This may be the practical tips that is worth the price of admission for this morning, okay? Be salty. Number one, always be ready to become a friend. Really care. Start the conversation. 
do this amazing thing called listening. It's so rare. You know, if you just listen to your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, you're gonna make a huge impact just doing that. Risk, be willing to risk. We need to be willing to touch the lowly and the lofty. You know, some of us are comfortable with our kind. We just want to touch the lofty. Some of us think, well, they've got their act together. I just want to minister to the lowly. God has called us to both, hasn't he? Risk reaching out. Ask good questions. Find common ground. Talk about what they love. Sometimes to build a bridge, all you have to do is start asking the right questions. Find out their hobbies. Find out their passions. Talk about their kids if that's their thing. Give your time. As witnesses, we need to be okay with sowing seeds for years if necessary. Because guess what? We may be called to to be the one that harvests, but we may be just the one that called to sow the seed and somebody else gets to harvest. Are we okay with that? Again, it's not our job to be savior. That's his. It's our job just to witness and testify of what we know. Be willing to get out of your comfort zone. Be you, but stretch. If you're shy, if you're quiet, if you're vivacious, if you're fun-loving, if you're a goofball, be you. But at the same time, be willing to stretch. Maybe you need to tone down your goofballness because every once in a while you need to have a serious conversation with somebody. Maybe, maybe sometimes you need to stretch and get out of your quietness or your shyness and actually speak the truth in love. Number two is this. Always be ready to uncover their stories. Who are they? What makes them them? Delve into past experiences. What brought them to this point? Their hurts, their wins, their losses. Those are the type of things that you're trying to uncover. Again, ask good questions. Good questions can be the, the fertile soil that the Holy Spirit uses when they're away from you. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. We sang it this morning. Sometimes us being a witness is just tilling that soil so that he can do some amazing work. Don't force anything. All right, that's a tough one. Sometimes we just want to check the box. Well, I was a witness. Well, I had this many salvations this year. God will give you those opportunities, but be careful not to blow something up because it's not the right season. I just culled 170 peaches off of my peach tree. They're about this big, hard as rocks. The squirrels have loved them. The deer have been eating them like crazy. Why do I share this story? Guess what? I picked them too early because I'm trying to save all the other peaches. I want the other peaches to get big, and there's too many. I literally have lost branches this big around on my peach tree because I did not cull off the fruit. But guess what? Just because I'm picking on the fruit too early doesn't mean I can eat it. Even the squirrels, you can see where they scratched and just gave up. I, well, I tried. I'm out of here. But that's so true. It's we need to be sensitive with the Holy Spirit, asking him. We need to uncover the stories, open door when we're supposed to, 
Sometimes we just need to sit there and be quiet. And remember, focus on them. Always focus on. Don't be the lady who keeps grabbing the conversation and pointing it at you. And finally, the third one, and we'll close with this. Always be ready to ask for appropriate next steps. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide. Do I talk or do I just listen? Do I gently probe or do I change the subject? Pray for wisdom. Don't be an idiot like me and almost get yourself beat up. Learn from my mistakes. But pray for wisdom. Pray for compassion. Pray for grace. And yes, seasoned saints, pray for patience because you're going to need it. Relate at the level they've given you permission to relate at. They may hold you at arm's distance. Be okay with that. They may draw you right in. Be ready to go there. Relate to them at whatever level. Because again, it goes back to that past, that experience. They may not believe you're the real deal. They've experienced too many flash in the pans or phonies or hypocrites. And they're waiting to see if you're legit. Are you really going to pass the test of time? Are you going to be a one and done? Well, I tried. They're a loser. I'm out of here. Telling, isn't it? We had neighbors that were um, homosexuals, and I was a youth pastor, my wife was a worship leader, and we, uh, we got along great with these guys. The reason I tell you the story is because we need, you need to understand that sometimes God will make you walk through difficult seasons and do interesting things to sow the seed. Um, <laughs> they loved it when I borrowed their truck a couple times a year. We were neighbors for years. It was a purple truck with a gay pride sticker on it. They thought it was hysterical that a pastor was running around in their purple gay pride truck. Why do I share that story? Because guess what? I was, you may not be comfortable with that. You've got to do what you're comfortable with. But I was comfortable with that. What did that do? That earned us the right to when one of these guys was on his deathbed dying of AIDS, we were in the room. I would love to say, you know what? He raised his head up and he asked for prayer and boom. I can't say that. But I also don't know what went on in his heart. All those years of talking about Christmas lights and swimming pools and how do you get this weed out of your grass, planting seeds. You just have to be faithful with a little and trust him to do the work. Be courageous if the door swings wide open is my final point under ask for appropriate steps. Sometimes you may never get to what you consider the goal, but you keep sowing, you keep being faithful, you keep being a good friend. You keep loving on them. Allow the love and grace of God just to flow through you. Amen? If the door swings wide open, 
always be ready. Amen. Pastor uh, Clayton and crew, if you guys would come as I conclude this morning. The reason I wanted to share this today is because I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to lose years or decades because you set yourself on the bench because you weren't qualified, you weren't an expert, you weren't good enough. All it takes is you looking around and becoming a friend. Care about your neighbor, care about your coworker. Maybe you need to rebuild that burnt bridge to that difficult family member. Maybe you need to walk across the auditorium right in here because you know that face, but you don't have a name to attach to it. Guys, we're a growing church. That's gonna happen more and more. Don't be so shy. Walk across the room. I give you permission to say, hey, I know your face. What's your name? Because you may have actually known their name and actually forgotten it because you haven't talked to them in two months, right? We need to give each other grace and permission to do that because God's gonna bring us people that we're supposed to be making an impact, not just out there, but in this room, amen? Maybe you need to do lunch with somebody. Maybe you need to be sensitive and say, you know what? Don't use Christianese terms, but just invite them to lunch. Hey, you interested? Well, I was in my prayer closet and the Holy Spirit gave you my name. Don't do it. Hey, interested in a Mexican? Build the bridge. Reach out. Walk across the workroom. Notice that person who's hurt. Notice that person who's on top of the world but doesn't know Jesus. And they're just as lost as the person who doesn't have a home or on the other side of the world. We started off with the woman at the well and I stopped short of the end of that story. Right after we were reading where Jesus was talking about the food to do the will of God, that was his food. He says this, do not say four months more, then comes the harvest. But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is always receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Just start the conversation. Spend the time. Share his love at whatever level they will let you. Trust that the seeds you are planting are growing. Be salt. Again, your job isn't to be savior. You know what? I, for, for years, I, I wouldn't witness because I felt like a failure if they didn't right there accept Jesus. Because I had the wrong picture of what success was. My job was to be a witness, to plant the seed, to share love, to share his grace. You may be planting seeds, you may be watering, or you may get to enjoy the harvest. Whatever phase of the process you are, always be ready. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. This is one of those messages 
It's kind of, hey, guys, we just need to get up and do this, right? We just need to respond and say, Holy Spirit, God challenged me this week to get out there and do it. Help me to be alive and alert and look around and see those around me. Are you at a place this morning where you're willing to share that? You're willing to pray that with me? You may be here today and go, you know what? I'm one of those guys who benched myself a long time ago. Maybe it's time to get yourself off the bench. Maybe it's time to take that next step. Maybe you're, you've been discouraged by that person that you've been sharing the love of Jesus with for months, years. Remind yourself, it's just about sowing. It's about being a witness. It may be years before they come back to you and say, you know what? I know I made fun of you. I know I pushed you away. But I know what you had was real. And I'm in a place where I need something real. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I'm all the way back at point one. I don't even know Jesus as Savior. We can change that today. I invite you to, to join in this journey of knowing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He paid the ultimate price for you. Today can be the day of salvation for you. Today can be the day you take that step forward and say, you know what? I'm ready. With every head bowed and eyes closed, let's let's just seek Him right now. Just talk to Him. Be real with Him. Where are you with this process? Maybe you're the, like my brother who sneezes and people get saved. Maybe that's the second nature to you. Awesome. I've done lunch with many of you. It's, it's amazing to watch you in work. Maybe you are at the beginning stages and you haven't even tried this because of feel of failure or a bad past experience. Maybe today with you is about taking the next step, saying, God, I'm willing to venture out. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle and you're just asking God to help you be more sensitive to not miss the opportunities. Because if we're sensitive, he'll give us opportunities every day. You'd be surprised the more you are willing to flow with the Holy Spirit. He'll open doors with waiters and waitresses and target lines and being in the middle of Costco somewhere to be able to just share and be the love of Jesus. Father, we just pray right now, God, that you would challenge us, challenge our hearts, help us to take the step, to always be ready. Forgive us, God, if we have shortchanged ourselves because we did not understand who we were in you or who you were in us. If you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I'm that person that needs to take that first step. I'd like to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I'm ready to take that step. Just, just raise your hand. I'd like to recognize you at this time and pray for you. I'm ready to take that 
step into salvation, start my journey with, with God. Maybe you're online and you're at that point. There is a pastor on the other end of that computer screen that would like to pray with you. Just click on that button and, and they'll get with you. Anyone in the room that want to respond to that? Let me pray for you and you can go. Father, I thank you for this group. Lord, I ask that you would just challenge us as you have challenged me. Lord, help us to always be ready. Lord, help us to understand that the field is white into harvest right now. That means that our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our family, help us to realize that you've called us to sow seeds, to be a witness, to do what we can do and partner with you. Thank you that you desire for us to be a part of this process to change somebody's eternity. We're so thankful. Give us boldness this week. Give us favor this week. Help our eyes to be alert and our hearts to be open to love on somebody this week. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And before you take off, I just want to call the prayer team forward. And if you've come today and um, maybe you were one of those people that responded, but you didn't want to raise your hand. We'd love for you to come forward and talk to somebody. They'd love to pray with you. Maybe you came today and you've got a financial need or, or maybe you've got a, 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 something that you need a prayer of agreement for, a healing, a lost loved one, and you want somebody to pray with you about that. I just invite you to come as, as we close this. Our altars have become an, a place of prayer. Thank you for being here today. Love you guys. Go in the favor of God. Enjoy your fourth.